Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi, everyone. Well, Mara, some very sad news to report today. Jerry Douglas, who played Young and Restless's John Abbott, passed away on November 9th at the age of 88 just shy of his 89th birthday, which actually would have been today. I mean, Jerry was so synonymous with YNR for so many years. In fact, he just reunited with some of his castmates, including his on-screen kids, Peter Bergman, Eileen Davidson, and Beth Maitland, as well as Laura Lee Bell and Tracy Bregman for a little pre-birthday celebration. And I can't help but think of how happy they must be that they got to spend some quality time with him one last time. Jerry's wife of 37 years, Kim Douglas, was a columnist for Digest. They have a son, Hunter. Plus, Jerry has two other children, and I know you join me in sending your deepest condolences to all. Absolutely. You know, Jerry was an icon, and I don't think his contributions to YNR and his impact on the show can be overstated. Like, I can't think of anything that represents the quintessential soap opera power clan in the 1980s than John Abbott, you know, the patriarch, not only of a complex and secret-filled family, but the CEO of a cosmetics company, I mean, what could be more glamorous? Uh, He was at the center of so many signature YNR storylines in the 80s and beyond. He brought uh, such believability and gravitas to the role. You know, he could be cutthroat, he could be warm. I just feel like he always understood the assignment, as the kids say. And uh, it's a testament to how much he meant to the audience that John's death was such an unpopular decision. Um, He's just going to be missed by uh, not only his family, at the show and of course his real life family, but all of the fans that he entertained for so many years. Here, here, everything you said was just right on. Um, but I think it's safe to say that the biggest news prior to hearing this uh, is the departure of Ingo Rademacher and his character Jax from General Hospital. Now you and I had heard from Setside sources a few weeks ago that he was off the show because there's a vaccine mandate and he isn't vaccinated. But this week he shared a transphobic meme on his Instagram, which understandably drew the ire of Cassandra James, who is transgender and plays Terry on the soap, as well as a slew of their castmates, which made the matter infinitely more public. So Ingo then took to social media to clarify his stance and apologize, and a lot of big names from Fanola Hughes to Laura Wright and Maurice Bernard posted in support of Cassandra. Uh, And Ingo will now last air on November 22nd. Yes, you know, from from what we heard from our sources at the show, Ingo and GH had parted ways 
well before the controversy surrounding his social media posts. Um, and he wrapped filming before the vaccine mandate went into effect. And we know of at least one uh, other cast member whose time in Port Charles will likewise be coming to an end for this same reason. And I expect we'll be hearing more from Ingo uh, about how he feels about this in the coming weeks. You know, I imagine he will be more free to speak about it once his final episode has aired. Now in some happier General Hospital news, November 16 and 17 marked the 40th anniversary of Luke and Laura's wedding on General Hospital, and I have some things to say. <laughs> so number one, I feel old. Um, <laughs> I was 12 when they got married, and I cannot tell you how excited I remember I was to watch it. I mean, I beyond fangirled over Luke and Laura. I loved Tony Geary and Jeannie Francis, and this was not a moment I was going to miss. So sorry to bore anyone who has heard the story before, but I grew up in New York City, and my orthodontist office was walking distance from my grammar school, and I had a 3 p.m. appointment on the day of the wedding. How I knew when it was happening pre-internet just shows how into this couple I was. Um, but my orthodontist had TVs in the tray tables and in private rooms. So I made a deal that they would allow me to stay for the whole hour to watch the wedding. And they did. So when I was done in the chair, they let me sit in one of the private rooms to watch the rest. It was everything to me. Um, but you did a great retrospective for a piece in the new issue. Well, it was really fun to to watch the wedding episodes again for the story I wrote. You know, I I was more of a Sesame Street kind of gal when the wedding first aired. Uh, I was uh, several years away from developing my own interest in soaps. Uh, but it really is incredible to walk down memory lane to that ceremony, in part because we are so blessed to still have Jeannie Francis and Tristan Rogers and Jackie Zeman. Uh, you know, they, they are Laura, the bride, Robert, the best man, and Bobby, the bridesmaid and sister of the groom. And all, all, you know, all three are still in the cast today. And Jeannie was just a baby at the time. You know, it's just incredible to think that in the same issue as we're commemorating the 40th anniversary of the wedding, we have our hottest newcomers section. And one of the newcomers is Laura's TV grandson, uh, Nicholas Chavez, who plays Spencer Cassidine. That to me is such a great symbol of why we love daytime. You know, you just cannot beat the history and the multi-generationality of this genre. Anyone who finds out what I do for a living today will still ask me, are Luke and Laura still on the show? Right. I feel like everybody knows who they are and the legacy looms quite large. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think I've actually watched the wedding again in full. I think it's something that for me, I would rather live in the memory of it because it's so special to me. Um, and, you know, I feel paved the way for me to get this job. Um, well, someone else who was on the soap during the heyday of the 80s is our guest today. It's Emma Sams, who famously played Holly Sutton. And I know you and I couldn't be more excited to talk to her. Hi, Emma. Hello. How are you doing? I'm all right, thank you. All right. Not too bad. Good. Well, we have been wanting to speak to you for so long. We're happy you're finally feeling okay that we can do it. Well, I, I just want to put a little caution on that. You say feeling okay. I'm, unfortunately, I'm still very much uh, in, in, the, in the depths of long COVID. But luckily at this point in, in time, I have a voice to speak. Sometimes I lose my voice. Um, so that's, that's what you mean by being okay. I just didn't want people to think that I had recovered and for some reason was avoiding returning to General Hospital despite that. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah. 
Uh, well, let's start in the beginning. You were born in London into a family that was very connected to the arts. Your mother was a ballet dancer. Your father owned a film equipment rental company. And your grandfather founded one of the first film production companies in the UK. So give us a sense of what childhood was like for you and how you got involved in performing yourself. Well, sort of ballet was always on the cards because of my mother and because my grandmother had, had helped coach her and then sort of helped coach me as well. Um, but in terms of the connection to the film industry through my father, it was, a, it was very interesting because, it, it, because he was on the technical side of things. Um, the film industry therefore didn't feel necessarily as creative as it might to some, but it felt very technical and a business. Um, and I think I've carried that uh, view of television and film with me at all times uh, through my career and always been very interested in what lenses they're using and how where they're putting the lights and and what film and and then the move to digital I've always been very fascinated by the technical side of it as a result of, of my father's business So how did you uh, pivot from dancing to acting? Well, I, I had been fortunate enough to get into the Royal Ballet School, which was which was quite a big deal. As it still is, that's an amazing school to have gone to. But when I was fifteen, I, I had an injury, and um, as a result of that, um, I had to stop dancing um, and think of something else to do. And for a while, I thought of possibly going into medicine because that was always something that really interested in me. That interested me. Um, but then I got lured from medical school. I don't know if I would have got in, but I got lured away from the sort of goal of medical school um, towards modeling, which <laughs> because I was offered some jobs. And uh, the thought of independence at the age of 16 was very appealing compared to, you know, eight to 10 years of, of studying and being dependent on my parents. So that's how I got into modeling. Modeling. I found to be very unfulfilling. Um, you don't really need to have a high intellect to be a model. Um, and therefore they, I mean, some, some of them do, of course, but, but, but they, they treat you accordingly. Um, and um, I'm not saying I have a high intellect, but I found the, the idea of modeling eventually not very rewarding. Mm -hmm. Well, how did you start acting professionally and when did you make your way to the United States? So the transition from modeling to acting was um, remarkably easy. Um, I've always had in my career this incredible good luck. Um, and at age 17, when I had sort of thought to myself, right, I don't want to, to do act, uh, modeling, I'd rather move into acting. Uh, I was uh, I'm lucky enough to get an agent, an acting agent. And the first audition they sent me to was a movie, a big movie being done in the UK with um, a lot of big names in it, like Mickey Rooney and Christopher Lee. Um, and the, the, the female lead was a, a young princess. Um, and um, after m multiple auditions, I, I, I ended up getting the part, much to my surprise uh, and to my agent's surprise. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so at 17, I was starring in a big film at Pinewood Studios, which was extraordinary. And, 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 and I had a lot to learn, obviously. And I was lucky that the director was very patient, kind, lovely man, and, um, and got me through it. 
Um, and, and that sort of spurred my decision to really focus on acting. And um, that made me move to America because I knew that there was just so much more of um, the, that, that product being made. As someone who's never lived in a different country, and especially given how young you were, was it a culture shock for you? Uh, completely. Um, and, and I had to get a little job. So I worked in a, as a waitress and I was the worst waitress because <laughs> I never could quite figure out the till and needed help just about every time I had to do something on that. Um, they gave me the key job of, of wrapping the cake slices because it, it was a deli. So most people came in and there wasn't really eat-in facility. So everybody took food with them. And um, so I, I, to this day, I'm traumatized by saran wrap. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that I've never got over the, the, the whole challenge of, of dealing with saran wrap and, and, and not getting it stuck to itself. And uh, yeah. <laughs> Still, still. It's a skill. Yeah. It is a skill, which yes. I never acquired. Uh, and, and also, being, being British, I didn't understand American deli food. So <laughs> these, these different, like, kind of roles that they had even. It was, you know, a Kaiser role? <laughs> um, so um, I was a really, really bad waitress. And I expected people to say please and thank you, as we do in England much more than here. And there would, people would shout, give me a such and such. And I'd be mm, sort of, uh, what's the magic word? You know. <laughs> <laughs> it was terrible. I terrible. Love it. <laughs> well, you were very young when you were cast on General Hospital in 1982 as a love interest for Tony Geary's Luke. So tell us the story behind your casting and landing the role of Holly Sutton. So I was really keen um, when I, when I, I was so keen when I auditioned that I was about 45 minutes early. So I, I before I went through the, the, the gates, I stopped and had a, a, a cup of coffee um, nearby. And it's not the nicest neighborhood. It wasn't the nicest <laughs> neighborhood either, but I, you know, I couldn't arrive that much early. And um, I'm, I was just completely, uh, I was doing an American accent because Holly was originally American, which was interesting. Um, and it wasn't until I think the third callback where Gloria heard me speaking with an English accent and said, oh, you're English. Try it with an English accent. Um, thank goodness she did that because that <laughs> saved me a lot of effort for many, many years. Uh, and, and so, you know, you do the original reading and then you call back and the callback and then eventually I got a screen test with Tony. And that's when it, it, it sort of cemented my really wanting to do it because he was so kind and so lovely. Um, and, and I guess he had a big say in, in, in who got the part. Thankfully, uh, he liked me and we got on really well. How, how could you not? Um, and, and, um, and, and then I started and, and that was a, a shock to the system too, because I'd never done anything like that. I'd never learned that much dialogue. I'd never um, moved so fast. Those, those saying that, relatively speaking, that was slow compared to how they <laughs> film now. And um, it, was, it was just, you know, the right place for me to, to 
and I don't want to say it's a great place for learning because obviously it's it, that's very de demeaning of it. But but it, they did teach me a huge amount. Uh, Tony in particular, but everybody looked after me on the crew. You know, the, the, in particular the prop department, um, who for some reason would help me run lines, um, and um, and they invited me into the prop room for right off the bat, which is a huge honour. Um, uh, I'm not sure if you're aware of that, but the, the cast who get invited into the prop room uh, uh, is it's it was it was big. That was really big. <laughs> well, you uh, made a very memorable debut on the show when yeah. Luke stumbled upon a skinny dipping Holly. <laughs> so you actually went on location to yeah. shoot that, uh, and uh, I'd love to hear all about it. I mean, talk about you know the, the best way to describe it is in at the deep end it literally was in at the deep end um, <laughs> and the, very cold and very uh well it didn't feel like it was the clearest water it was it was a bit murky though that helped with the implication that i was naked because of course i was not i was wearing a, a a uh, little flesh-colored swimming costume, uh, bathing suits. So. <laughs> uh, I'll translate that. Um, but but it was freezing, and there were fish following me around as I swam. Could see them behind me, um, mm -hmm. and they they sort of the the blocking was the, okay. Here's a rock. Hide behind the rock when he sees you. So, you know, but the rock, and I couldn't I couldn't cling to the rock because it was really slimy, and <laughs> dig my nails in to the slime and then they would slowly go down and then I'd have to reattach. It was, I guess it was, if nothing else, it was a very, it was a very good way for them to see that I was game, you know, that I was going to do whatever uh, was needed to make the scene work. And, um, and, and, and hopefully, you know, I, I didn't complain and I, I didn't, um, get too precious about it. it was like right what what do you want me to do okay fine uh and then and then the scene at the end of that was when we were in um a sleeping bag and tony revealed himself to be somebody who likes to do naked love scenes <laughs> so revealed himself as the right way uh, and i being young and british was fairly uh, surprised <laughs> um, and to be honest, if it was anybody else other than Tony Geary, you would have been offended or startled or, well, I was startled, but I, I wasn't, he, he completely made sense of that as an actor's choice. Um, I, he probably wouldn't get away with it these days, um, but, I, but I didn't feel in any way compromised or awkward by it. It was, it was just interesting and amusing, I suppose, that he had made that choice and wanted to do it that way. Um, but bless him, he, 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 that was about the only area that he was a method actor. <laughs> um, but yeah, it didn't, it didn't offend me at all. I just have uh, made a lot of, um, uh, you know, uh, conversation out of that for many years. So, <laughs> it's a good dining out story. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, what was working with Tony like in the early days? Did you have a sense going in about how huge Luke was and what the character no was about? I had no idea. I had no idea about Luke and Laura. I had really no idea about General Hospital. And I think that's 
probably what got me the job because if i had been intimidated by him or intimidated by the show i would i think probably have been so scared that i wouldn't have i, I wouldn't have been able to to have the confidence to play a character like holly um or anyone um so it was it was an advantage for sure that i was oblivious to the magic um, you know and the hugeness of of general hospital mm -hmm. Well, we always love to hear a story about Gloria Monti, the late uh, legendary executive producer of the show who hired you and I know worked very closely uh, with you, I think, to develop the character of Holly. So tell us about your experience working with her. She was extraordinarily hands-on for a producer. I've never met anybody um, like that. But she, she affected every aspect of the show and the the joy of the schedule was, was that you got the blocking in the morning, then you rehearsed it, which she watched, and then you got notes. So she was very specific about what she wanted. And, um, and that was obviously incredibly helpful. Um, so we would be called into the, 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 the notes room um, and she would be uh, in there with her assistant who at the time was Tom Citrano, who ended up being a dear friend of mine. Um, and then so the two of you who are in the scene or, or more would get called in and, and, and she would tell you what you were doing wrong and what you were doing right. Actually, I don't think she ever told you what you were doing right. <laughs> um, and, and she was very specific. Um, but that was that was fantastic that's what you want that's what you you as an actor you want feedback and and because we had so much respect for her um you you just absorbed it all as much as you possibly could wow it was quite scary though saying that she was quite scary scary and the the worst thing that would happen would be if you're in the middle of this, recording a scene and the voice of God that, you know, came from the booth, which we never went to. We didn't know where it was even, I think. Uh, but there was a loud, booming voice that would come out over the speakers in the, in the studio. And so you would hear the, the, after maybe you'd been given a, a further note from there, suddenly the director would say, she's coming out. <laughs> and you'd hear tap, 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 tap of her shoes as she came across this enormous soundstage towards you and you'd be quaking with fear as to what you had done wrong uh, and um I'll, the best time she ever did that was when i came back the first time and i was had a little dog with me in the scene and um the dog was not cooperating at all it was terrified i guess i tried to you know sort of alleviate its fears but no it it just sort of was was not doing what it was supposed to do and she's coming out tap 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 out she comes looks at this dog and points at it and says you're fired <laughs> <laughs> she fired the dog so lucky it wasn't me <laughs> dog took the head <laughs> um, exactly well, after Luke was presumed dead in an avalanche, a pregnant Holly stood to be deported until Luke's best friend Robert swooped in and married her so that she could get a green card. And they, of course, fell in love and became one of the most popular duos in General Hospital history. So what stands out to you about being paired with Tristan and creating the Robert Holly love story? It was, it was just serendipitous, I think. You know, it, I was doing great working with Tony, loved working with Tony, wasn't 
looking for you know a, a further relationship the audience had finally um i think forgiven me for coming in and, and having a romance with luke which um understandably the luke and laura fans were very resistant to um so everything seemed great um i was finally getting the hang of of working on the show and and didn't feel completely terrified every time they rolled cameras um and then they did this fantastic story with tristan and i i honestly don't know if they had planned it to to be as it was because the great thing about general hospital was they watched what you were doing and um I wrote the story accordingly to what was working and what they liked about what you were doing. Um, so when I started working with Tristan, I suppose the chemistry between us was was so effective that they made the story work around that. And and Holly, who's supposedly a con artist, you know, somehow from, from the love of a good man was converted to going, you know, straight. And um and then they found a way of, which is, I think, very rare on a soap opera, having a happy couple and making them interesting mm -hmm. um, by all these capers that sort of Hollywood insert herself into the police investigations. Um, uh, and, and that was just wonderful because one of the things I think that's very wearing um, on a soap opera for the actors is that if you're playing trauma, all the time, it's it, it it can't help but be emotionally wearing on you. Um, even for somebody like me, me, who's as far from being a method actor as you could possibly get, just playing that day in and day out, you know the 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 trauma and and disasters and um, um, things that happen to people on soap operas. Um, it, it it does it gets you down after a while um and and i don't think it is particularly good for your mental health to be doing that consistently long term so so to be in a relationship that was happy um and loving and fun um just felt so much nicer it really did <laughs> i bet it's funny to think that if you hadn't had the accent you have there would have been no need for the green card. How would Holly and Robert have ever gotten together? <laughs> exactly, and there's there's so many things. I mean, the whole my all my family that kept showing up. Charles Shaughnessy wouldn't have come on the show, been yep. so brilliant in his very small role that he had. Enough brilliant enough for me to call my friend Shelley Curtis and say, "Oh my God, this guy's amazing!" And then he gets cast on Days. And then he gets, you know, I mean, his career, I'm, I'm not saying I'm responsible for his entire career. And yet. <laughs> and I think he would agree with you. He just told us the same story very recently. No, really? Yes. Oh, my goodness. That's very nice to hear. That's very nice. I haven't had any contact with him for a very long time, but he's back on the show, isn't he? Yes. That's that right. We can play matchmaker for the two of you, in fact. Oh my right God. We can put you back in touch, I mean to say. He's yeah. playing Victor Cassidine. Um, yes. I would. But I told well, him that I specifically remember your scenes together from yeah. when you did them together. Mm -hmm. he, was, he made so much of a very small part, and mm -hmm. that's a huge gift for an actor to be able to do. And he was lovely to work with. So that, that combination um, 
I was so, so, so pleased when he mm -hmm. went on to such success after that, because he, he deserved it for sure. Mm -hmm. And we can both uh, tell you, still as lovely as ever. Mm, that's yes. good to hear. That yeah. is really good to hear. Absolutely. Um, well, at a certain point, while the characters were falling in love, you and Tristan likewise became a couple. So do you remember feeling anxious about going public? And how did Gloria take it? My relationship, my personal relationship with Tristan was personal. So we didn't talk about it in public. Um, and, and I haven't. Um, uh, Tristan has a bit, I think, but <laughs> but but I certainly um, feel that still I I'm going to maintain that as as you know it was a bonus to our on-screen relationship. So General Hospital was so wildly popular in the mid 1980s. You know, it was still riding the wave of the the, the wild success of Luke and Laura. So what was it like for you to, I imagine, have a, a degree of celebrity that would have been new to you in the States? And without social media, it was all by, by post. So, so the mail count, how many letters you got, deemed, told the producers how popular you were. Um, so we were always pleased to get to get lots of posts. And, <laughs> and everyone was really nice to me. And I have always appreciated that. So you ended up leaving the show in 1985 to join the cast of Dynasty as Fallon, a show that I loved. Um, please tell us how that came about. I was very happy doing General Hospital. And if I, if I hadn't had such an amazing job offer from Dynasty, I certainly wouldn't have left. That's for sure. I would never have been one of those brave people who thought I, I would like to do something different. Um, I'm going to take a shot. So, um, but because... Um, Tori Spelling, and this is the story I've heard. I have never met her to get this confirmed, but apparently Tori Spelling was a fan of General Hospital and said to her father, oh, there's a girl on General Hospital you, you might like to ha have a look at. Um, and as a result of that, I got called in to meet uh, with the Shapiros um, for Dynasty, just a sort of a general meeting. And they looked at me and said, oh, you could, you could be Fallon. And I got the job. So I hadn't ever watched Dynasty. And again, that served me very well because it meant that I wasn't uh, scared as I, I rightfully should have been <laughs> to be joining such a huge mammoth, internationally successful show. Uh, but it was the first time that my family back in the UK were aware of, of what I was doing. And suddenly there wasn't a country that I could visit that, that didn't recognize me wherever I went. And, um, and, and that, that was really quite mind boggling. This marked the first time that you had worked with Aaron Spelling, uh, another absolutely legendary producer. And you later collaborated with him on, on Models Inc. Uh, in the mid nineties. But what was working with Aaron Spelling like, or what do you remember about how he was as a producer? He was the exact opposite of Gloria Monty in his as <laughs> He was not hands-on, at least not obviously, at all. So we, we rarely saw him, to be honest. Um, but I think one of his skills was delegating and delegating to the right people and trusting them. And he was a great boss. He looked after not just the cast, 
but the crew. Well, you ended up playing Fallon on both Dynasty and its spinoff, The Colbys. Um, Fallon was the daughter of Blake and Alexis, played by John Forsyth and Joan Collins, and was known to clash with her stepmother, Crystal, played by Linda Evans. So what stands out to you about working with those three actors? They were, they were all really nice to me. Uh, and, um, well, John Forsyth was the, really the paternal figure um, and was charming and gracious and lovely uh, and, and so handsome. Um, Linda was as sweet and, and warm and, and just as, as you would want her to be and, and hope that she would be. And, and Joan was very nice to me, which, which was, I think, a shock to most people <laughs> on the crew, um, be, being British and, and younger than her. Um, it could have all not gone well at all. But actually, she was she was very very uh, easy for me to work with her, um, and um, I was extremely deferential, and I think that probably helped. <laughs> I I realised I, I I had a very low place on the totem pole, and I was not going to um, come in with any airs or graces at all, and and I think she appreciated that. Mm -hmm. Well, in 1992, you made your return to General Hospital as Holly for about a year, and you once again worked with Tony Geary, all, although this time he was playing Bill Eckert, Luke's lookalike cousin. What was it like for you to be back on the show? It was different. Um, it, was, it was a different experience. Um, and... It wasn't that it was bad. I mean, I absolutely loved working with Tony. And, 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 you know, I think over the years, and I have told him this, he has been a very, very good friend to me and, and a very, and a real sort of mentor acting wise. Um, I always say that he completely taught me how to act. He, he taught me how to listen. And he, he would also say, if you came in and there was a lot of stuff going on in your life outside of the show, and you were trying to sort of bury that so you could get on with your day of work. And he would say, no, use it. Make it add a little flavor to your performance today that doesn't need to be explained, but it makes you so much more interesting. And that sort of um, guidance um, and friendship that I had from him was, uh, well, it was, very, it was a very special thing. And I, and I, and I miss him, actually. So in the years after your second exit from General Hospital, you moved back to England and started a family, welcoming a son and daughter, Cameron and Misha. Did you have any reservations about leaving Hollywood? And was it important to you to raise your children at home? Well, I think Los Angeles is, is a hard place to be even for grown-ups. Um, so to, to raise children there, for, to be a child, be an adolescent in Los Angeles, it, I think is 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 challenging and and if the one of the options is um that you could go home be around your family live in the english countryside um that seemed to be a bit of a no-brainer that, that that would be the best place for them mm -hmm. and i have to say um this is just a, a momentary aside as very proud mother um you know my son just qualified as a doctor and my daughter who is one of the most glamorous people you would ever see. Um, got a, just finished getting her degree in financial math. Um, wow. And it's just started her own business. 
Um, so it was, it, I do incredible. feel, I do feel it was, it was the right decision. And, and though there's moments where they begrudge the fact that they grew up in a tiny little village in, in, in sleepy English countryside, <laughs> they, they, they would, they like, it appeals to them, the thought of having been, you know, raised in Los Angeles. Um, I think actually, as they get older, I think they get it. Why I made that choice. So your son carried the torch. He became the doctor. Right. But he's a real doctor. (laughs) (laughs) And your daughter mocked you for not being able to make change at the deli by becoming an expert in financial math. I I see all of the connections here. She couldn't be more different to me in that respect. (laughs) A brain is wired completely. How I produced uh, math whiz, I have no idea. (laughs) even, Even if, you know, my... Her father's, who obviously is producing 50% of the very, very good math genes, there's still 50% of mine in there. So it doesn't make sense to me at all. That's hilarious. So over the years, um, we have seen you make several, you know, shorter term returns uh, to the role of Holly. And we've also seen, uh, of course, the introduction of her son by Luke Ethan, so I'm curious to know what it has meant to you that throughout different decades and, and when the show is being produced by different people, uh, General Hospital continued to hold you and Holly in high enough esteem that they wanted you back again and again. It's absolutely extraordinary to have, to have been invited back as many times as I have. It's just the most wonderful uh, thing and some of the return visits have not been particularly successful. Um, they didn't get necessarily uh, the audience didn't get what they wanted, um, and uh, there were moments where I felt like the character development was skewed. Um, it, it wasn't always ideal, but they have still invited me back, and I can only thank the audience for still referencing me um, in all their communications and 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 uh, chatter and then I also of course you know thank particularly Frank who who I think had a lot more understanding of the character and 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 that that, that's been definitely better Mm -hmm. Um, and and in terms of of going back again you know, they set up this marvelous story right before the pandemic hit. Um, and, and I was really excited about coming back. Um, and then not only was there a pandemic, but I got sick. And um, Frank uh, has been just wonderfully patient and supportive and understanding. Um, in it, way more than I could possibly have ever hoped, and and you know we're still we're still now Holly's you know been now captive for a very long time. <laughs> Let her out. <laughs> but but to in done, your guest room, Emma. Yes, I'm still in the guest room. Um, but when I did that scene um, from home, which is possibly a first, I don't know if anybody else has done that. Um, it was it was the funniest thing of all was that Simon, who is now my husband, um, 
helped me set up the camera and everything, but he's not from a world of acting. And um, so he, we closed the door and I said, all right, I'll do the scene now and I'll come out when it's done. And so he waited on the other side of the door. And when I, I did the scene, uh, opened, opened the door and his face was just white. He was so traumatized by hearing this little performance of begging me to, you know, begging to be let out. And um, so upset. And he just was, he, he couldn't, he just couldn't get his head around the fact that it was just acting. Um, <laughs> He kept wanting to open the door, he told me. So I think that, well, that's a good sign, obviously. Right, successful. Um, but, but bless him, he was, he was really surprised at, at, at acting. Wow. <laughs> he would have just ruined the whole story if he'd opened the door. Yeah, it would have been, it would have been a whole different story. Yeah. Um, well, as you mentioned, you did become ill with COVID very early on in the pandemic. And unfortunately, you have been dealing with long COVID and a range of very long lasting symptoms. So tell us what that's been like for you and what you want people to know about long COVID. It's been really frustrating. I'm not one of those people who um, likes being unwell. Uh, I, I have not had m many... Um, uh, health challenges over the year, uh, years, and and I, I think I have a very high pain threshold. Um, I've been, having been a ballet dancer, you just get on with it. And then having been on General Hospital, you don't get days off for being sick. It was all very good uh, training for me. Um, so I am hugely frustrated, and I'm and I'm not just frustrated about how I feel in myself, but but how. A lot of people with long COVID, first of all, it wasn't a thing. People didn't know it existed. And, and those people like me who got um, COVID very early on, um, we couldn't understand why we weren't getting better. And the doctors couldn't understand it. And some were very, um, were very dismissive. And I think some of them still are. Um, and even now, if a doctor says to me, um, Oh, don't worry, we'll make you better. Then I look at them in horror because it means that they 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 don't get it. You know, it's the ones who say we don't know about long COVID yet. Mm -hmm. We'll try and make you feel a bit better. Um, those are the ones I trust. Right. But I'm now on nine different medications. <laughs> wow. Um, to to in an attempt to um, combat it. Um, I'm not better, but I am. The gaps between feeling awful are slightly longer and, um, and that's helpful and, and, and a positive trend, I think. And I'm focusing on the fact that, um, uh, if that, if that continues, maybe that's the way it's going to go. And I'll just have longer and longer gaps, um, where, where I can actually do a few things. Um, and I mean, even in those gaps, I'm still by no means a hundred percent, but I'm not just lying in bed in a quiet room, um, which is what happens on the bad days. So, um, so it's, it's, I'd say it's a positive trend and I'm going to, I'm going to keep saying that. <laughs> That's great. And if we keep trending in this positive direction, which I certainly know we both fervently hope is the case, do you want to, you know, General Hospital uh, to be part of your future? I desperately want to come back and finish that story. I would, 
hate for Holly to be forever stuck in my guest room. (laughs) 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 And the fact that Frank um, and Mark Teschner have been so patient and so uh, good to me, um, putting no pressure on me at all and inquiring how I am now and then, um, that means the world to me. And um, so for many, many reasons, I, I do hope as soon as possible to come back and finish that story. So do we. Yeah. <laughs> Now, as you mentioned, you have some very happy personal news that just happened. You recently got married to your husband, Simon McCoy, and from the smiles on your faces in your wedding photo, it seems yeah. like it was a very wonderful day. So what can you tell us about him and about your big day? He's a news presenter, um, and he's incredibly kind. Uh, and my children really genuinely love him. And, and for somebody who had said for years, I mean, actually decades, I'm never going to get married again. Uh, I'm never going to live with anyone again. Um, it, 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 that just speaks to how lovely he is. And he's been incredibly lovely to me with my long COVID, very understanding and supportive. And he, he doesn't, he doesn't uh, mollycoddle me. Um, but likewise, he doesn't make fun of it either or, or diminish it. So somehow that very fine line of looking after somebody, um, he's, he's got it just right. And of course, we were together before I got ill, because otherwise, if that's the only dynamic that, that works, that's not right either. Um, but no, it's, 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 it's very good news for me personally. And, and I'm uh, as, as surprised as anyone but this is where I am. That's wonderful. We're we're so happy for you. I I think I told the story on the podcast of the last time you and I had spoken, which was by Zoom, and he came in, and I could just tell from the way that you reacted to him and the way that he reacted to you how Mm -hmm. special your bond was. So I was so, so happy for both of you. To find somebody who's not in the entertainment world, but who's in the public eye um, is is a lovely thing. That's a very magical sort of sweet spot there. But also, who wears makeup? <laughs> he gets to wear makeup at work. <laughs> he gets it, you know. Um, so it's a very it's a uh, it's a very amusing thing that you know if there's makeup on the pillows, it could be his. <laughs> and he's not an actor. It's ideal. Perfect. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> really funny. Um, so before we let you go, Emma, you know, can you sum up how landing on General Hospital back in 1983 changed your life and what the loyalty of the GH audience to you and to the character has meant to you uh, for all of these years? It, it was professionally by far the best thing that ever happened to me. I loved it. I absolutely loved the job. I, my little dressing room was my home away from home. The, the, the set of the Scorpio townhouse was also my home away from home. We kept things in the drawers. I mean, that's how much time we spent there. Um, to have had this much um, encouragement and support from an audience for such a long time 
is 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 I do not take it for granted. I don't take it lightly. I am so appreciative um, that the audience are are still so uh, kind to me and and encouraging. Um, you know, there's there's groups of people who still get together on a Friday and watch Holly and Robert uh stories and, and and old clips on of the of their 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 fun times that they had um it, it it is it is shocking to me that it's lasted such a long time um and i and i can't i i it just every time people on on twitter say oh it's the anniversary of this 30 years ago or whatever to to, to still be in anybody's awareness of some of, of a job that you've done something that that you know you meant a lot to you but that it means a lot to so many people out there is 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 mind-boggling and and i am so so grateful for it um i do do not take it lightly at all well we are so grateful that we got to talk to you today and um really hope that you continue uh in your positive recovery and wish you the best and congratulations on the marriage and your children doing so well. And we hope to see you back on General Hospital soon. Well, thank you guys for, for all of these years of, of being very good to me. I, I do appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Emma Sams for being our guest. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast. around you can find cars like these on auto trader new cars used cars electric cars maybe even flying cars okay no flying cars but as soon as they get invented they'll be on auto trader just you wait auto trader